0: I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. Today, we have Heidi Cooper. She is a licensed esthetician and functional medicine practitioner, and she's been doing this for over 25 years. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? So, can you kind of give me a bit of a brief summary about yourself?
1: Yeah, I am a licensed esthetician and a functional medicine practitioner. So I started out in skincare, kind of a pain-to-purpose story, um, gosh, 26 years ago now, and had some skin struggles of my own and went down this path to really figure out solutions and in a more natural way, I'd done the conventional route and that didn't really yield the solutions I was looking for. And so went down this more natural path and worked with diet and that sort of thing. I had an esthetician that was a mentor that that helped me in that regard, and then I ended up going down that path. And then I would say probably about 13 years ago, some of those ways of treating weren't as effective anymore. So that's what got me down the functional medicine path and looking at lab work and really trying to help people find root cause solutions for their skin challenges.
0: Where does the passion come from? Where did you first begin focusing a lot on healthcare and really giving people that glow?
1: Yeah, it's it really does come from a, a pain-to-purpose situation in that I had a lot of my own struggles. And I think nothing really gets you down that path of trying to find solutions like having some of your own challenges. And so initially, mine started out as skin and, and so I've always had a heart for people that have skin challenges, because it, it can really affect so many different things. And so I think that's where that came from initially. But then interestingly, simultaneously, when I mentioned about 13 years ago, things started to change with client, I also started to experience some of my own health struggles. So I was really very fatigued and, and you know, pretty young at the time. I was in my 30s and just didn't feel like I should feel that tired. And then eventually ended up getting an autoimmune thyroid disease diagnosis. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And what I started to see with clients, there were a lot of parallels there. So there were a lot of skin conditions that were going on with people. They had gone to their doctors to get lab work done. Um, They would come back to me really 100% of the time, Jimbo, and say that they were fine. And I really knew that there was more to the story. And so that's really what got me on that path of going back to school for the functional medicine piece is to help my clients also unpack um, really some of the root cause reasons of why they were having skin challenges. But interestingly, there was a connection to a lot of the health challenges that they were having at the same time.
0: Why is skincare so important?
1: Oh my gosh. You know, it's important for many different reasons. I think if we look at the skin being a reflection of what's going on internally, that's not typically something that you're hearing about culturally. I think there's just a focus on uh, maybe skincare products or treatments. And I always explain to people, that's a huge piece of the puzzle, but that's still really only half of it. So for instance, I could have somebody that's doing all the right things internally but if they're not working with the right skincare products and right skincare regime they're just never going to see the results that they could if they were doing those things. And likewise, you could be working with all of the the right skincare products and treatments and if they're not working with the internal component they won't get the results that they really need there as well. So I think it's it's kind of information overload for people with skincare products these days. Here in the United States, there's not really a it's not regulated, skincare products aren't regulated very well, so a lot of marketing can be done surrounding it and it can get very confusing to the consumer as to what might be really the best Thing for them or things are being marketed in a certain way. And so they tend to buy into that, not really knowing whether that's the best thing for them or not, if that makes sense.
0: Who would you say is this a mentor that you had? Do you think this mentor inspired you as a person as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what she helped me with changed my life. I mean, it really was life changing. And until somebody's really struggled with some some challenges like that, I mean, you know, especially as a young person, having those skin challenges really affected my confidence, and it was really pretty devastating. So to work with somebody that really helped to shape my perspective on things, and absolutely, I mean, definitely as a as a person, she was, you know, I think of it like really worked at at that time, you know, really looking at more root cause solutions too. And that's just not what I was seeing in the conventional medicine world. Like, like I had gone to a dermatologist so it was just a very different approach. So absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, was life changing and so it really was impactful working with somebody that I um, had so much respect for going against the grain and looking at things a little bit differently for sure.
0: So you say going against the grain, do you value
1: that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I am a big uh, proponent and a big advocate of critical thinking and really not just doing something because everybody else does them something or says that it's the right thing to do or the right way to do things, but really thinking through the process and if it makes sense. So for instance, it's been my observation that you know, a lot of what I do in my practice obviously is getting to root cause solutions for people. And once again, like the skin is a reflection of what's going on internally. Well, for the most part, that's not really the perspective that many people have here in the United States as far as the solutions to their skin problems. And so once I get people to start thinking through, there's a reason that that's going on. Like what can we do to address it? How can we take ownership of the situation to make it better? it can be very eye-opening for people. Because I think a lot of people do just kind of go through the motions and do what, I don't know, what society says they should do or what they have been kind of guided from a cultural perspective to do, if that makes sense.
0: And where is your stance particularly with skincare? Are you more of a natural products person? Or are you more on the business? Like, Like, you know, natural products like, you know, African black soap, Things like those, you know, versus something more on the industrial side, like proactive. Definitely not something like apple cider vinegar or anything like that.
1: So I'm definitely, definitely more on the natural side of things. I think I it's kind of remarkable when you see how well some of the natural things work, how far removed we are from a lot of those things. And now I'm it's kind of excited because I've always taken this natural approach up until recently it wasn't something that people were always interested in and what's been exciting to see is some of these things that have worked historically very well people are now becoming receptive to because they are more interested in a natural approach and not all of the chemicals and a lot of the education that i do is around the toxicity concerning some of the things that we're exposed to and some of those chemicals as well so for instance You know, I use different natural products from all over, but I always explain to people that um, I use a lot of things from Europe because the European Union has banned over 1,300 ingredients that cannot be used in skincare products because they've either been proven unsafe, questionable, or toxic. And there's research to back these things up. Now, the U.S. at this point, I think, has only banned 13 ingredients. So if you look at what's on um, the the shelf at the drugstore, even, or even some of the very expensive professional products, there's a lot of ingredients in those products that you really don't want, not only on your skin, but for your body to absorb. So there's just a lot of value in working with things that are natural and things that the body will actually be more receptive to, and you'll find more healing with for sure.
0: Another thing is, who do you think is... Who do you think is your biggest competition in sense of business? Are you more, is it more of the naturopath types, the people that are still involved with this? What do you think?
1: You know, it's, it's, that's a really interesting question because I would say what I do is pretty unique. Like, like I don't, haven't really seen many people out there that have both the clinical experience in the treatment room as an esthetician and kind of work from like a naturopathic or holistic or functional medicine you know, perspective and marry both of those. But I have really shifted more towards the functional medicine. So I would, I would have to probably say that that would be more of of the, of who I'm in alignment with and who would be, I guess, the perceived like quote unquote competition for what I'm trying to accomplish.
0: Do you think it's important for you to know who you're going to be in alignment with specifically? Do you think a person like you needs to stay more in your industry or do you think it's more important to spread out?
1: No, I definitely think that it's important to, you know, have exposure in all areas. And this is one of the reasons I was excited about doing your show today is that it's a little bit, different exposure it's not just people that are interested in functional medicine i feel like a lot of the podcasts that i've been on i'm so grateful for the opportunities but it has been just people interested in you know just skincare or just functional medicine so definitely i think there's there's a whole i mean i feel very purposeful about what i do and i feel like there are so many people that need to be reached with the information that i have i feel so blessed to have it that i want to expand all opportunities to be able to reach those people for sure.
0: Very good. And speaking of people in general, what do you think is the common issue a lot of people face with skincare? Maybe specific habits, specific things that they do could be genetics. I think that's a big one too, genetics. So, kind of, you know, get into all that because, again, you're the expert in this.
1: So such an interesting question. And I think at one point I may have answered many, many years ago that it would be diet, right? And then kind of going back to, you know, kind of that shift around 13, 12, 13-ish years ago where people were eating a really clean diet and still having all of these issues. So I think, of course, if someone's eating the standard American diet and they've got skin issues, that's going to be the first place that we start because... As I'm sure you're aware, there's a lot of a lot of going back to things that are allowed here in the United States that aren't allowed in other places. There are a lot of chemicals, hormones, things that are allowed into in our food supply that can really wreak havoc on the system and therefore the skin as well. So you have to start there. But there are so many other things that we're exposed to environmentally that are really creating problems that we have to really teach clients how to steer clear of some of those things as much as possible as well. So one of the things that I share often is there is a pesticide that's sprayed on corn called autronzine, and it is in our water supply now. And so in the areas where it's been dumped into the rivers and the streams, it's actually feminizing and changing the sex of the frogs and fish from male to female. When you've got that going on in nature, it really is doing a number on the population, as far as hormone shifts and hormone imbalances, and that sort of thing. So, just having some awareness about trying to make sure that the water that we're drinking is clean, make sure that we're trying to stay with with foods that aren't doused in those pesticides, you know, and that sort of thing can be extremely helpful to kind of mitigate some of what we're exposed to environmentally that can be so problematic. So. You know, of course, it really depends on the individual, but I would say, first and foremost, you know, what we're eating and drinking and what we're consuming can have such a significant impact on what's going on with not only the the skin, but the body in general, and the skin can be reflective of that. So that's pretty foundational. If we don't have that, there's no magic cream or treatment or, you know, product that I can give that's going to fix that if we have some of those foundational pieces that haven't been addressed. I would say dietarily, what I see often is um, gluten, dairy, and sugar really tend to be very inflammatory and really create a lot of problems, um, skin problems, health problems in general. So not that I recommend like a specific diet for people because it really depends on what's going on with the individual, but... I have just found that those items tend to be so inflammatory that, that most people would benefit from removing them from their diet and in turn would see improvements in the skin.
0: And do you think in the industry there is this desire for this magic pill like you mentioned?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. It's like the, that's like the the thing that I feel like I go into battle with every day. I feel like I am um, if if I could find the best way to communicate to my clients because I feel like I, I I it must be such a such an ingrained cultural mentality that they're looking for the magic pill that it's almost comical Jimbo like there are times that that people come in and I feel like I try to do a really good job of laying out the expectations like this is not coming in for one treatment it's not changing your diet for a week it's not you're not going to see it takes time to do things the right way and i'd really try to to be realistic about the expectations but it's al- almost comical to see how often people will be working with something for a week or even a few weeks and reach out and be really frustrated that they're not seeing a magical shift in in you know what's going on with their skin health so Yes, it's, it's really a struggle and I'm not sure how this magic pill mentality kind of came about culturally, but it's really a struggle to reframe with, with people the expectation to do things the right way is, will take time. And of course, the way that I'm approaching it as well, it's, it's taking ownership and effort, which, um, which is another piece that has to really be communicated well and an expectation that a client has to really um, be on board with before we can see results
0: and the way you reframe your clients in a sense is that like what you mentioned previously sort of lowering those expectations and having them sort of take more responsibility for themselves
1: I feel like at this point I try to do a little bit more of a screening process before I even take a client on and kind of set the expectation up front that that if they're if they're just wanting a like a relaxing facial or you know like a spa treatment, I'm probably not the right fit for them. If they're really wanting results and they're wanting to see a shift in what's going on with their skin and with their health. Um, it requires effort, um, you know, we'll go over lab work, we'll go over dietary things. And I try to lay out as as best that I can on my end, the expectations so that they know it's not even worth scheduling an appointment with me if they're not going to be committed to some of those things. So um, I feel like that's helped tremendously because I have found in general prior to doing kind of that screening process or a little bit of an interview process before I took clients on, there really very much is that cultural mentality about coming in for one treatment or getting on a product and having things magically turn around for them. So I feel like that's helped a little bit.
0: And so you mentioned screening quite a bit. How do you necessarily draw in and kind of market your clients because I kind of understand now you screen them by you know having them come in and be like hey look this is a lifestyle change you know you have to make a new normal for yourself but how how does the marketing go how does the after screening process go
1: So well I would say first of all probably I guess a little over a year ago now I started working a little bit more on providing content on social media so that people understood where I was coming from and if they were interested in that I would say it was more of an attraction marketing piece. So, like, if they um, were interested in the content that I was sharing, it really helped. Going back to that screening process, it kind of helped with that a little bit. They already knew what you know what the approach that I was working with and where I was coming from and the perspective. So that was really helpful. But then from there, once somebody starts, and that's helped tremendously. So once somebody starts in, you know, I try to lay things out. Um, going back to here, you know, here's the expectation. Um, I work with a lot of people virtually now, so I don't even see um, a lot of the clients that I see in person anymore. So we're working virtually once again to go over lab work and a pretty comprehensive intake form and a clinical assessment form. So we're going over a lot of information that really helps them see where some of their challenges are coming from. And I feel like there is a real value in Once you have in black and white, this is why you've got this going on. It really helps significantly with the compliance piece. Um, People are willing to look at at what they can do for the most part, if they're going to make an investment in lab work or um, really unpacking where some of these things are coming from. If they really want to see those shifts, they know that there's a reason and we now have it in black and white on paper and um, it's up to them to make the adjustments in order to see the change.
0: So when it comes to these adjustments in particular, what are the main stream of adjustments you usually ask clients to make when you work with them?
1: You know, that that I would say is really on a very individual basis. And that's one of the challenges that I've run into sometimes with even sharing uh, information on social media is there aren't a ton of things that I would say, you know, like across the board, everybody should be doing or everybody shouldn't be doing. Um, and so really gathering all of that comprehensive information about what's going on individually with the person helps me guide them specifically to what um, what would be beneficial for them. Um, but I would say in general, going back to making some of those dietary adjustments, I mean, I will always recommend a whole foods diet, you know, just the way that the body is designed to process things, isn't a bunch of processed foods and things that the body doesn't um, digest or process very well. So, you know, sticking to a more whole foods diet, keeping dairy, gluten, and sugar out of the diet, just from the inflammation's perspective, um, trying to limit toxin exposures, finding the exercise that's right for the individual. So um, that's another thing I believe culturally there's a big push for exercise and I'm a huge proponent of exercise. But once again, just depending on what's going on with somebody's lab work, you know, one person may benefit from doing a more boot camp style workout and another person based on their lab work might benefit from doing yoga or Pilates. So, you know, based on, say, cortisol levels or stress levels or what's going on with the individual. So um, and then another piece is just going back to the the clean water um, intake. I think there's a big focus on eating organic and keeping some of the things that we don't want as far as the pesticides and that sort of thing go out of the diet. But the water is, you know, one of my mentors in functional medicine stressed that recently said, you know, here everybody's focusing on organic foods, but they're basically drinking tap water. And that's terrible. I mean, there's all sorts of medications and, um, you know, the pesticides and a lot of um, there's radium like down here in Texas, 80% of the, the water it contains toxic levels of radium. So there's all sorts of things that are interfering with the body's ability to function the way that it should just from the drinking water alone. So those are things that foundationally I would certainly, you know, focus on for everyone. And then sleep. Sleep is another one. Sleep and stress. I feel like culturally there's a lot of burning the candle at both ends, not getting enough sleep, not enough self-care and taking time for, you know, prayer and meditation and the things that I think go by the wayside often because people feel, um, whether it's job or whatever other expectations, they can't take the time to do those things. And I really try to explain that those sort of things actually make you more productive. So I would say we start with those and then go from there.
0: And when you do all these different things... What types of programs and packages do you specifically provide for your clients? So now we sort of talked about when you have your clients and after your clients have been screened, let's talk more about before all that even happens, how do people actually know who you are?
1: So I, you know, being how do
0: people the- know that you have these skills? Because you're an expert, but people got to know that you're an expert.
1: Yes, yes, and I would say you know. Luckily, I feel so fortunate. You know, after having been in this industry for so long, I get a lot of referrals at this point. I mean, I get a lot of people referring people to me, which is really helpful. Um, And just going back to, um, I really it was on my heart, you know, for for a while that there are so many people that need some of the help that I feel so blessed. to have some of the answers that they're probably not getting in other places that um, I really was wanting to find a way to broaden um, my reach outside of here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. area. And so that's where I really got, like I said, probably about a year and a half pretty serious about just trying to do like some regular social media posts and really do some, um, attraction marketing with my clients or with potential clients so that people had an opportunity to see what I was about a little bit. And, um, if that was something that they were interested in, and it's been so interesting because I have people reach out from all over the world that are struggling with a lot of these, um, skin challenges, health challenges that I can help them with. And they're just not getting the answers in, you know, wherever they are. So um, I've kind of broadened my reach there a little bit and um, have been trying to kind of work a little bit more towards the virtual piece, especially with what's going on in the world right now. It's been really helpful to kind of have that, that option. And it's, there's so many things that I can do without even necessarily seeing someone face to face. So that's been really, really helpful. I hope that answers your question a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, You answered it. Now, are you more of a soap when we talk a little bit more about holistic skincare, are there certain limits or boundaries to holistic skincare? Is holistic skincare similar to a lot like traditional medicine, where it's more of a preventative practice and not necessarily a practice to fix something that's gotten really bad after a long amount of time? If you understand what I'm saying, maybe something like severe keloids. Something like that. Do you think holistic skincare may be an option or maybe a post option after a more modern approach is used?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I think you could use what I love about the holistic skincare piece is for the most part, you could even be doing a lot of now depending on what it is, but you could be even doing some of the holistic skincare piece in conjunction with maybe a like traditional medical. Piece as well. Or let me use this as an example. So you could, somebody could go in and get, go to their dermatologist and they could say that they have a basal cell skin cancer. Well, those are typically pretty slow growing. And depending on, what's recommended from the dermatologist you could either be doing something in conjunction with what the dermatologist is wanting to treat or um what I've done with clients sometimes is we've worked with things if we have a little bit of time based on on you know the dermatologist's perspective to be able to start reversing some of what's going on there so that more aggressive treatment isn't necessary. And that's been really fun to watch too. People have had little spots that were questionable and the dermatologist kind of wanted to watch them. And we've been able to work with things naturally and completely reverse what's going on there so they don't ever have to have anything cut off or some of the surgeries that are done or some of the more invasive procedures because we've been able to reverse those and heal them. So Once again, there's a lot of variables, like the keloids, for instance. I'm always asking the question, why? Like, why is that going on? Why is the body having that response? And I think from a cultural perspective, people would just look at, oh, like, what can we put on it topically? Well, there might be something helpful to work topically there, but I always look at you know is there some going back to your comment earlier about earlier about the genetics is there some gene expression that's been turned on there for the keloid to form what can we do to you know maybe support the body in such a way that we can reverse some of that gene expression being turned on there's just a number of variables to be able to look at that i think um, many people don't even know are available so you know to kind of answer your question you certainly can can be using things in conjunction with like a medical treatment from the holistic world and sometimes you can depending on um, where the client you know their perspective they may try doing some of that before some of the medical intervention is even necessary
0: all of these things going on what do you think do you think the climate of skincare has changed a bit since covid not just business wise, but concerning health. Do you think skincare is improving? Do you think it's shifting a bit because of the because you know there has been an increase in weight gain, an increase of COVID way a lot of these things have been happening. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of skincare has you know, like the, the different companies have pivoted to Online, you know, like if there is a way for them to market that way, they certainly will. What I have been really excited to see, and I would say this is the shift was happening before COVID, but now uh, I think people are focusing on their health a little bit more. My hope is always that that people will start because they've started kind of down this natural path with skincare a little bit too, that they do start to put those pieces of the puzzle together that um, what's going on with their internal health. You know, it definitely affects what's going on with the skin and uh, making that connection there. But yes, I think that it's unbelievable. I can't even remember the last time I looked. Like how many, you know, how much skincare business now brings in? Like the revenue is something incredible. It's how many billions of dollars. So it's definitely grown for sure.
0: Who do you think is your target audience?
1: You know, I I really kind of have a. Well, I have a heart for anybody that has skin challenges going on that really wants to get the root to the root cause of them. Because once again, I love to play detective and really um, look at a number of different things and and find out why um, that might be going on. But um, as as it would as it so happens, I think some of my own personal experiences have kind of helped me target my. My you know, most common client, I would say, is probably a woman between her 20s and probably 50s that's having a lot of hormonal imbalances that are presenting on the skin. So I see a lot of those situations because there's so much of it. And going back to some of those things that are influencing the hormones environmentally, there is just an unbelievable amount of women struggling with some of these things. And then we see it with their fertility issues and just a number of things beyond just the skin, but there's a lot of that going on these days. So that's, that's kind of, you know, my area of expertise or what I'm kind of known for is those, those things specifically, but I do work, like I said, with, with anyone that's really willing to unpack what's going on with their skin. If they're really interested in looking at um, the root cause and, and taking ownership and figuring out what they can do to make the situation better.
0: And do you think a lot of your clients are willing to take ownership? Is it, is this one common in particular, what's one common myth? of goes on with holistic skincare, because when I hear holistic skincare, I don't think most people here take ownership, take responsibility.
1: Yes. And that is, I've, I've tried to, to feel like I'm trying to, with what I'm doing really shift that. So to, to your point, exactly. I think people think of holistic skincare, just being natural skincare products. And I think that that's a lot of what I see promoted in marketing online. In fact, it really makes me sad from the standpoint that if you look at, if you look at the word holistic, I mean, it means like whole person, right? It doesn't just mean that you're working with clean skincare. I mean, that's one piece of it, right? But I think there's this misconception that if you if you're working with holistic skincare, it's just like cleaner ingredients, you know, things that aren't. Um, you know, like necessarily going to be toxic or problematic. And, and that, although that's good and that's a piece of it, um, holistic really means the whole person. And so there's so much more to it. So I feel like I've really tried hard to reframe what that expectation is and what that looks like. Um, And I'm, you know, it's been a struggle. It really has because if you have a societal perception of something, and I've had to work really, really hard at um, reframing that and really getting people to understand it's not just putting something natural on your face and that means everything's going to be healed. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things that it's it's been pretty difficult from my perspective to get people to understand because there is so much false marketing surrounding what it actually is.
0: When it comes to a lot of this understanding, did you yourself have a personal struggle trusting holistic skincare initially before you realized it worked?
1: You know, I will tell you, I think my experience is a little bit different because I actually started from like that conventional medical, started going to a dermatologist. And so I had done that first. And when that really didn't help and didn't, didn't provide solutions um, in fact, a lot of the things that I was given actually created other problems and, and more problems. Um, I think that because that was my initial experience with skin care, that's what created the, the receptivity to holistic skin care or natural skin care. So um, I'll just kind of back up a little bit. And when I started having these skin problems back all the way back when I was a teenager, I had really bad cystic acne. I mean, just terrible, terrible cysts all over and, you know, went to the dermatologist. They put me on topical medications. They put me on antibiotics and it made my skin really sensitive and irritated. I would say at the very best, it may have dried my skin up a little bit. So there was like less oil production and maybe that, I don't know. I don't I wouldn't even say it made less breakout because I was still breaking out terribly, but I would say at the very, the very most, that's what it did. And so I just didn't feel like my skin was healthy. It was irritated. I couldn't be out in the sun at all. So having that initial experience created a receptivity to doing something differently. So interestingly, like fast forward a little bit, the the mentor that I had in the skincare world is who helped me with my skin. And she was actually from overseas herself. So she, she had a very different perspective on the health of the skin and I will never forget going in for a treatment with her and then starting to work with products that were, were more reparative. It was amazing. Like really within a few months, and three months, my skin had completely transformed just because the health of the skin was so much better. So to answer your question, I think because my initial experience with skincare was not in the the natural realm or the holistic realm, it created a receptivity because those other things were not working. And they were, I always refer to them now as like not only Band-Aids over bullet holes, but they're Band-Aids with sandpaper over bullet holes because they can actually create a lot more problems while they're trying to kind of mask what's going on. So, I mean, for instance, I know even to this day, I think there's still a lot of... um, Uh, prescriptions for antibiotics for acne. And, you know, many people I know are really well aware of how, I mean, antibiotic is anti-life and it can really do a lot of disruption in the gut microbiome if you're on an antibiotic indefinitely. And sometimes they're prescribing these for years at a time. Well, that can really do a number on the gut microbiome. And it, it has, there's a lot of other consequences to being on something like that. And once again, we're not, that's not, that's not fixing the problem, right? Like it's not a root cause solution. So it's a band aid. And typically, when people come off of some of those antibiotics, their acne or whatever other skin challenge comes right back. So I think just my own personal experience kind of created a different receptivity because I wasn't having success with the other ways of doing things.
0: And, what do you have to say about the select few people that actually have success doing this? Do you think that's more of a, an anomaly?
1: Um, like going down the, the dermatologist path or like the, the
0: traditional route, not this route, traditional route.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause I can't say that I have seen a lot of that. Like I, you know, obviously people are coming to me because they haven't had success with that. And that wasn't my experience. So, and I'm not that I'm saying it doesn't happen because I'm sure it does, but I would have to say in those situations that maybe it's, maybe it was just some sort of infection they were able to get under control. It's, you know, I'm sure there's a number of circumstances that play into that, but that just has not been in general, my experience that people have had long-term success with going down that path. Once again, not to say that that isn't possible, But it does, from my perspective, beg the question, like, well, what was really going on that was creating the issue in the first place? And something that was done there was helpful in that regard, you know?
0: And if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what type of advice would that be in order to bring you to the same spot you are today?
1: Oh, boy, that's a loaded question there, isn't it? You know, I, I tend to be pretty stubborn, so I think maybe just there have been a lot of times where I've really tried to do things my way or a certain way, and now here I am in my late 40s, and I'm finally realizing, like, I just, just being more receptive and open and, and listening a little bit better, I think would have, would have done me better, would have better served me when I was younger. And I've tried really hard now in this season. It's the beauty of being a little bit older is um, some of the things that you learn along the way.
0: (laughs) Very good. And we talk about things being better per se. What do you think a lot of people listening to this can do to improve their quality of life?
1: Oh, there's so much, you know, I'm a big mindfulness person. There's so many things, Jimbo. I think like there's mindfulness just going back to like living in a time that's so rushed and hurried and everybody's on their screens all the time i think that's creating a lot of unnecessary stress being more present um, i think that that in and of itself and just taking care of ourselves i think we are in a culture where that's not really encouraged or celebrated and and it's a really critical piece to thriving and not just surviving like that's a lot of what happens here or here in our country is people are just kind of getting by till they retire or something. I don't know. It's just a, it's a terrible quality of life. And I think that we can not only be better for ourselves, but better for everyone else if we focus on those things. So I think there's a real value in, I don't know why culturally there's kind of this perception that self-care is uh, like self-indulgent or, but it really has many, many benefits to personal relationships. And then I think it can pour out into society as well. Societal influence. Um, we care, take care of ourselves. We're happy, healthy people. We can kind of spread that around. In fact, I often think I've i have had this thought often recently, like I've been biking up to the gym and, you know, I'll run across, you know, like just people they'll be out running or biking or whatever on the, on the path as I'm going up there. And They're typically really friendly and happy. And I think, you know, there's just something about that energy and getting all of that going that just puts people in a different place and a different mindset and a different space. So it's nice to be part of that community. And I think everyone would benefit from a little bit more self care and making themselves a priority in a healthy way.
0: How do you make yourself a priority?
1: Oh man, I, I, it's, it's something when I started to have some of my health issues years ago, it was definitely a wake up call for me because I was definitely one of those people burning the candle at both ends. And I was forced to rest. I was for it because I was, I was chronically fatigued. And so I, I had no choice anymore. And so now I really am. And very diligent about making myself a priority. So interestingly, I've always made exercise a priority, even prior to my health crashing. But the difference is, back then, it was this, you know, kind of that cultural mindset, like, you know, like, if you don't work out for several hours a day. You're not working out like super, super intense and to, to the point of exhaustion. And now, you know, I just, I'm still very consistent with it, but it's more listening to my body. You know, like I enjoy running, but I don't do long distance stuff anymore. So just things that are kinder to my body, but I definitely make that a priority. Um, Five days a week for sure. That's definitely a priority. Um, I prioritize sleep. In fact, you can ask my husband, he kind of makes fun of me that I have like an old lady sleep schedule, but it really is important. And I used to be a second night owl. But I mean, lights out 10 o'clock now for sure. And so um, those are a couple of things. I am big on grounding outside and getting my feet on the earth um, and prayer and meditation is really, really important to me. And those are things that I just schedule. That I commit time to those every single day. So... And, of course, eating really well, too, is a big priority for me as well. And that means cooking and that takes time. But that's okay because that's part of, of what we do in our household. And I now have a 14-year-old son. And so that's something that we really want to prioritize with him, too. So um, there's an understanding of being an example of what that looks like now, too.
0: When it comes to a business perspective, how did you take this skincare and bring it now into more of a business? What types of products do you sell? What types of services do you provide? And you can also provide your website here or anything else you need to provide.
1: Yeah. I think um, obviously like all of these different experiences have created a purpose for me, but I do have uh, an entrepreneurial brain too. So I really enjoy the business side of things. I really, really do. And I'm always um, love connecting with people that are, you know, business minded. It's, it's really fun to be in groups where you can kind of mastermind and collaborate and um, come up with some creative ideas, um, how to promote each other's businesses and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I work with a number of different skincare products and supplement vendors um, that I really believe in that I've seen results with. Um, you know, people can connect with me on um on my website, which is skinsideoutskincare.com. And then like I shared, I, I, I'm I'm on Instagram a lot. So that handle is, um, skinsideout underscore Heidi Cooper. And, you know, I try to post daily on there, some information that's helpful for people. And, um, so just try to, you know, have those different avenues. I've got things on YouTube as well. The videos that I post on Instagram are there as well. So it's a great piece. It's a great way to catalog um, some of the information that I have to share, and then be able to share that with other people too. So, um, my heart is really to share value with people, um, something that's valuable and something that they can implement. And in doing so, it's really um, going back to like it's, it's been um, a model for attraction marketing, where people have, because they're interested in in some of what I share, um, have reached out and want to work with me as well. So that's been really exciting from that standpoint. But yes, I um, firmly believe in the things that we work with, um, really particular about what we bring in to share with people. And so um, we work with a number of different skin lines and supplement vendors, but they're pretty fantastic and like nothing else out there.
0: And when you do all this, what do you think is the, yeah, so can I get your website specifically and some of those things you're doing specifically? Yeah.
1: So it's uh, www.skinsideoutskincare.com is my website. And then Instagram is Skinsideout underscore Heidi Cooper.
0: And do you sell any services or products?
1: Yes. So, you know, I really have people reach out if they're interested in a service to kind of see what, like where we would start with them. Um, A lot of times what I'll initially do is um, like what I'll do is, especially if it's a virtual client, we'll do like a Zoom. We'll do like a deep dive virtual health challenge. And I spend probably about an hour and a half with them going over what i shared like i'll have them fill out a comprehensive intake form and a clinical assessment form and i mean those are you know probably the clinical assessment form i think is 14 pages alone so there's a lot of information to go over i have them share any recent lab work that they may have so we can kind of connect the dots there and if there are recommendations for additional lab work then we'll run that as well to really get um, a bigger picture, a broader picture of what's going on with them. I think that's another thing too that I see in skincare is that people aren't, as an esthetician alone, they're not going to have the education to be able to, to run lab work and be able to put the you know connect the dots and put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so that's where um, I feel like what what I have to offer is a little bit unique there too. In that we can really unpack what's going on. We look at labs. There are different um, gut microbiome tests and different lab work that we can run that's specific to their situation. So, you know, just depending on what's going on with the person, we would we would probably do that initial deep dive where we spend about an hour and a half. And then from there, figure out if we need to do additional lab work or get them on a certain protocol and go from there. So that's what we do as far as services go. Not really taking new clients in for um, skincare treatments in office so much anymore because I'm trying to kind of move a lot of what I'm doing to a virtual platform. So I basically tell those people that are interested. I can, I'm happy to put them on a cancellation list, but not really taking new new clients there so much. And then based on you know what we go over and what's going on with the individual, then we can make like product recommendations. Um, I'm a big fan of Feedamir skincare. That's the European skincare line that I work with, and we kind of find out what's what they might need specifically for their skincare needs. And then there's another, there's a few other um, supplement vendors who work with systemic formulas and cell core Biosciences are my primary lines that we work with with um, to address the internal piece as well.
0: And when you mention uh, you do the test, then you go from there. What do you mean in specific by go from there? Do you sort of make them a program or a schedule? You mentioned recommending certain facilities. Do you just write out a list of things sort of, it's definitely not a prescription again.
1: Right. Yes. Not a prescription. It would be recommendation as far as like particular skincare products, you know, based on what's going on to work with topically. And then we would also most likely have um, like a supplement protocol for them to work with as well. And then what I try to do from there, especially if someone is a virtual client, we probably check in Maybe you know once a week, just to kind of see how they're doing, but going back to setting expectations, we're not going to really start moving the needle with things until we're probably a couple months out of working with some of that protocol, but we just kind of check in along the way and see how they are and the kind of progress that they're making and um, make sure that they're compliant. Um, I think another piece is you know, depending on what you're working with. If if somebody's working with something and they're um, having a a reaction, good or bad, if we don't communicate about that, um, I find a lot of times if we're not checking in regularly, then then people don't always stick with that. So I do try to make sure that we have some sort of, you know, touch base point on probably a weekly or bi-monthly basis at the very least, right? So we kind of have an idea of of where they're, where they are, if they've been able to do what they need to do and just be a little bit of a support for them to, to encourage them. Because once again, this is not a, as simple as you do this for a week and we're done. It's, it's a long haul. And I think sometimes if, if people aren't seeing those results immediately, um, they can get a little discouraged. So I always want to make sure that we check in and we're supportive and make sure that they really understand that it's going to take a little bit
0: how does one stay motivated throughout this journey that you put them on to better themselves and how most people go about their journey
1: yeah i mean i think that's why it's so important that we that we stay connected because i see you know i see that um it can be frustrating for people and it can be very tempting to want to going back to like all of the marketing that's out there right so if they I don't know, you know, or following somebody on social media or they see some advertisement for something that promises that they'll use it and their acne will completely go away or whatever health skin challenge that they're dealing with will will magically go away. It can be pretty tempting if you feel like, hey, I've been working with this for a couple of weeks and it's like not exactly, you know, where I think it should be. So I think that just goes back to communicating with the client, setting expectations and and once again, uh just just working with somebody from the get-go that really has an understanding of that has been helpful.
0: And do you have any final words, remarks, anything you want to do to finish this off and tell the audience? This was a very good interview.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really really enjoyed it. And I think if I can encourage just going back to the self-care and, you know, just making choices really look taking a hard look at the choices that you're making and knowing that just chipping away a little bit every day and say, it might be, um, this week, it might be just drinking more clean water. It might be whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be, um, an overwhelming situation that you're, you're taking everything that you think you want to, or need to be doing on, but this is little changes that really make a big difference over time. And um, I think if you if you want to be thriving as you get older, especially, there's just some choices you have to make foundationally that really can make a big, big difference in the quality of life that you live. And I think in turn, the relationships that you have, the community that you have, and the impact that you have. And I'm big on purpose, and I think that we all are all here for a specific purpose, and um, my purpose. My purpose, I believe, is to help the people that come to see me really fulfill their purpose and live their best life.
0: All right. So I'm Jimbo Paris. This is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you again, Heidi.
1: Thank you so much, Jimbo. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show.